Welcome, friends, back to Doxology Matters here at Bethel Baptist Church in Yorktown, Virginia. We're thankful that you have listened uh, and, and decided to listen in, subscribe to this episode uh, today. Today, we're going to talk about um, in our series, God's Attributes, the um, self sufficiency of God. Self sufficiency of God. And, and Jeff is here. I'm so thankful for Jeff, uh, one of the dearest brothers. I was telling him earlier that if I had to be on an island with, like, only let me pick two guys, I, I, I would pick Jeff. <laughs> well, and he's like, well, you might ask me who to pick, but right. I, I would pick you and uh, <laughs> have to think about the other one. But um, I thank the world of you, man. Well, likewise, Keith, I appreciate you. I appreciate being here. Yeah. So we're going to talk today about uh, uh, the self-sufficiency of God. Why is God not in need? Well, the short answer is because he's God. He is, uh, and we could end the sentence there, he yeah. is, period, and he is not in need. That is a fact. So um, I, I think one of the reasons that he is not in need is because he is the source of all things. Yeah. Right. So when we remember that God is the source in the spring, then it makes sense that he needs not. There's nothing that he lacks. There's nothing that can be added to him. Yeah, he, he doesn't have to go to someone else to, to replenish he he is the source. His battery never runs low. Right, right. Which is hard for us, if not impossible, for us to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so why are we not self-sufficient? That's kind of an obvious question, but... Yep, again, the, the short answer is because we're not God. Yeah. Right? He, he is, and part of this goes back to that creator-creature distinction. He is self-sufficient. We are not. We are made in his image. We are made by his hand and by his breath out of the dirt. So we are in need. He is not. Tozer puts it this way. Need is a creature word and cannot be spoken of the creator. God yeah. has no need. Yeah, we have need. I was just going to say that just to summarize that we are needy people. God's not a needy being. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So then the question becomes: Where do we go to satisfy that need? And that's we go everywhere often except the place we should go to God. Yeah, John Piper says about that: It's not that we desire too much; is that we desire too little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what are we saying? What would we be saying if we tried to argue that God has a need? Well, if we argued that God has a need, then we could argue that he cannot satisfy mine, at least not ultimately. If God had needs of his own, then it wouldn't make sense for me to go to him to satisfy my needs because eventually I'll exhaust him. Eventually, he'll run out. I'll I'll, I'll deplenish you know, uh, or deplete what uh, what he offers me. So, if we were to say that God has a need, we would suggest that he is not satisfied in himself. That he is operating sometimes out of a sense of want, which which sometimes Christians will do unintentionally. Right? We'll speak as though God had an empty feeling without us. Well, that's not entirely true. And we often don't mean to diminish God, but sometimes we accidentally do. Yeah. So what are, what would we be saying if God has a need? Well, that he's not God, that he's not satisfied in himself, and that he cannot ultimately satisfy me. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 good. Um, do you think God needs defending? 
Have you ever been in a place where you felt like, oh, I got to defend God here? No, God doesn't need defending, but people need help understanding. Right, so I, I think it was Spurgeon. <laughs> That's really good. I think it was Spurgeon that said, "God is the lion in the cage. The gospel is the lion in the cage. We need not defend it. We need merely to let it out of the cage. He can do his own defending." But there, I, I do think people need help understanding. And uh, like we've had uh, a conversation before, I think each person is uniquely gifted and positioned to help other people understand God. And that's why I'm, I applaud people who write books and create music, because you are uniquely positioned to help other people know God, and they will hear things from you that they won't hear from me or from anybody else. Very true. So uh, does God need defending? No. But do people need help understanding? Yes. Yeah, I mean, be ready to give a, an answer for the hope that is within you. Like Absolutely. We, the gospel is an articulated gospel. We need to articulate it. But um, God can't stand on his own. Right. Yep. And, and does. I think, I think we see Paul approaching that in the Areopagus in Acts. And he says, I see that you are very religious. Let me help you know the God that you do not yet know. Uh, so we are saying to every person with whom we come into contact, I, I see you are very religious. You're looking for satisfaction. Let me tell you about the God you do not yet know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does God exist for and what are the implications for us? What does God exist for? Well, that might be a million-dollar question uh, that we could, <laughs> we could uh, unendingly search for an answer for. I think if, if Scripture were to, to give us an answer to that question, well, he exists for his own glory. Uh, he wills things for his own glory. I've been reading Calvin's Institutes recently, very slowly. Uh, but he, he makes the point, when we're asked why God does something, the simple answer is that because he wills it so. God doesn't exist for us. He simply exists. And he radiates. Part of that comes from his own self sufficiency, his self existence. Um, you think, even in that, just pause you for a minute, he doesn't exist for us. We have such a self centered thing, that, a view that God is existing, and we automatically think we're connected to it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we ask the question what is God's will for my life? It's, well-intentioned question, but it's the wrong one. The The right way to pose the question is, how does my life fit into God's will? <laughs> yeah. right? so, so let me look at what God is doing in the world, reaching people for Christ. How does my life fit into that? The question is not, what is God's will for my life? The question is, how does my will fit into God's, uh, how does my life fit into in God's will? Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think we do Again, like Tozer pointed out in the previous chapter, we we try to steal the throne from God, mm-hmm. and that never ends well. No, it doesn't. It never ends well. Yeah. John Piper wrote a book um, called Future Grace. It's really great. And you, I've probably talked about it on this episode. It's 400-something pages, and he deals with unbelief, unbelief in anxiety, unbelief in lust, unbelief in covetedness misplaced shame, uh, bitterness. And so what is, what's behind unbelief and how do we see unbelief daily in the Christian's life? Hmm, that's a great question. 
Tozer helps us to understand that we may begin, these are his words, we may begin to understand the Holy Scriptures have so much to say about the vital place of faith and why the Scriptures brand unbelief as a deadly sin. He goes on to write, the unbeliever denies the self-sufficiency of God and usurps attributes that are not his. This dual sin dishonors God and ultimately destroys the soul of the man. So unbelief, what's behind that is this idea, this wrong idea that God has not said God has not spoken. God is not good enough. God does not have good plans for us. God is not, period. Yeah, he's not going to take care of me. Right. You could you could end that sentence a million ways. And at the heart of unbelief is this wrong wrong belief that that uh that God is not. Every unbelief is a wrong belief. It's not just a vacuum that we create, but rather we take that faith and we put it in something else other than God, other than his promises, other than his words. Uh, And so as we think about unbelief and we think about our lives, we are challenged yet again to say, wait a minute, where am I putting my hope? Where am I putting my faith? Where am I putting my belief? And if I'm putting it anywhere other than God, then I need to recognize that I will be let down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being that God is ultimate and needs nothing, how should that affect our daily lives? So we're thinking about this concept that God is ultimate. He is the creator. Everything else is part of creation. That God needs nothing. He lacks nothing. Everything else lacks something. Um, and that he's, he's created the world for his glory. So if these things are true, then I've got to think about my life in regards to his glory. How am I living for his glory? Tozer puts it this way, let us not imagine that the truth of the divine self-sufficiency will paralyze Christian activity. Rather, it will stimulate all holy endeavor. So because God is self-sufficient, you write music. Because God is self-sufficient, you created a podcast which God would use that we might worship him more fully and and know him. Because God is self-sufficient, we want to um, be industrious in filling the world with his glory. If God weren't self-sufficient, then his commands would really not be worth following. They'd simply be suggestions. But he is, and they're not. Um, they, are, they are divine and holy commands, and it's our joy to lay down our lives for his glory. That's a profound and deep thought and takes it a couple steps further in thought and in application. So it, let's say you've got a teacher listening to this podcast, an educator. Their goal is not merely to educate people. Their goal is to think, how, how am I educating people for the glory of God? How am, you've got a city manager, how am I managing this city for the glory of God? Luther walked through one of the Psalms, I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head, and it talks about God caring for the city. And he says, well, how do you think he does that? He does that through city managers. He does that through men and women in law enforcement and emergency emergency response systems who who take care of us. He he does that through teachers and educators who who raise up children that that, that know how the world works. Um, and so 
we're looking at all of our different jobs, all of our different roles, and we're, we're figuring out how, how is God working through this? I think it was Luther that said our vocations in life are the masks that God wears while he works out his will in the world. <laughs> That's a really beautiful quote. You mentioned Calvin. I think about Calvin's, one of the things that he's taught me is about God's common grace. So like city managers and people he put in, he puts in place all in different areas of our life is, is a really a gift through common grace to us. It is, it is, and that's that's why I think we should be involved in things like politics and things like things like city engagement and civic roles. These things, these things matter, and the Christian has a place in them. I believe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's God's dominion; it's His kingdom. Well, it's not His Christ born again kingdom, but it, He is Lord over all. He is. He is, and the king, yeah, yeah, so we could get into a whole lot of theological conversation there, um, but I think, listener, it's good for you to remember that God is self-sufficient, and because he is, there is so much good work to be done. You read the book of Titus, and repeatedly Paul uses the phrase, good deeds, good deeds, followers of Jesus are to be working out good deeds in the world in which God has placed us. Why? So that people might see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Mm, Yes. Uh, Typically when good deeds are mentioned, people will ask the question about salvation. No, that's not connected to salvation, only in a sense that once you are a born-again Christian, you will do good works. Right, absolutely. It's it's a natural overflow. And again, not because we want people to think that we are good and great, right. but because we want people to know that God is good and great, and we want people to know what God has done in Christ. Amen. Amen to that, Jeff. Amen. Listener, thank you so much for listening. Praise be to God. Uh, may today, may you glorify Jesus Christ in your life. Thanks for listening.